and welcome to episode 46 of the Night Gallery podcast. My name's Chris Brown. Today we're talking about Dr. Stringfellow's Rejuvenator. It's an original story from Rod Serling, directed by Gerald Friedman, and is the perfect uh, story for this Halloween weekend, as it is definitely a story about spirits. As our third selection, an item from the past, that uniquely American institution known as the Pitchman, the wheeler and dealer of magical nostrums, guaranteed to cure, to palliate, to bring back the glow of health to everything but a cadaver, bottled dreams, if you will. Our painting is called Dr. Stringfellow's Rejuvenator. Drink hearty. Our story is based in a Wild West town in uh, the 1800s, late 1800s. Uh, we see a snake oil salesman, a man by the name of Dr. Ernest Stringfellow, who's played by Forrest Tucker. He is, he's, well, he rolls into town on his wagon, joined by uh, someone who, who basically helps him out, like a, a partner uh, called Rolfo, who's played by Don Pedro Colley. And they are, uh, well, they rock up and they start handing out or selling um, Dr. Stringfellow's Rejuvenator, which is, it's a snake oil. It, um, it blatantly, from the offset, we know this rejuvenator does very little at all. Anyway, um, the, 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 our doctor spots a, uh, a, a man who, uh, who's obviously looking to talk to him. He, um, he's desperate and initially the doctor is concerned because he thinks that he's there to, um, you know, attack him. As a lot of these times, these snake oil salesmen promise the world they'll live nothing and they have to get run out of town. But instead, he is a man on the edge, a desperate man. He's desperate because he has a poorly daughter. And it takes only one look from the doctor to realise that uh, this girl is dying, is mortally ill, and certainly no rejuvenator is going to be able to save her. But rather coldly, he he sees this as concerned, but not enough to actually stop selling the the uh, the medicine. He sells it to him, and then um, kind of bids a, a slightly hasty retreat. Retreat. It's later on now, and he's in the salon. The local doctor is a drunk, and um, he's furious about what he's seen, the, um, the sight of this, uh, this, this poorly, poorly girl being given something that will not save her at all. And um, quick enough, he lets the, the doctor know about this. Diagnosis by a drunk. Doubtless, but with a foresight more truth than the labels on those bottles of yours. Doctor or not, the um, earnest Stringfellow is more than aware that um, this this medicine isn't going to save the girl. He is, um, well, he knows this, but he's willing to argue as he does. And um, what Stringfellow believes isn't that he's selling rubbish, but he sees himself more as a faith healer 
or at least that's what he's telling the doctor and to a later extent uh, this father who he sold the medicine to because what happens next is the, the father comes in and uh, unsurprisingly the child's condition is worse to the extent that it looks like she will die very soon now the um, the well Stringfellow goes listen this this medicine might not be the thing to cure her but what I really sell is faith and if you give me a moment with the girl I am sure that through my power of salesmanship I will be able to save this child to bring her back to life Dr. Schneider here is a protector of the common good a drunk and a sot and an unhealed healer but he he claims to speak for the speechless you know what I do brother I sell faith I am going to give that child of yours enough belief so that she can kick her way out of a pine coffin if she needs to be do you understand me if that child crosses over into the shadows I am going to bring her back to life now you go get her Let's not be about the bush here. This plan was never going to work. And sure enough, the girl dies. Um, Stringfellow is understandably upset, but realises the most important thing is that he and Rolfo need to get out of town sharpish because it's almost certain that the time is going to turn against them now. If only because it, would, it could appear to some that the medicine they've just given has killed a child. Um, so we, basically what we have is um, them getting ready to leave and as a string fellow is making his way out of town he is uh, standing it's dark, it's night time it's that kind of annoying night time that, uh, that night gallery has where it's day for night so really it's just kind of obviously glorious daylight but a bit blue but anyway um, he's standing there in the dark and he can see through the swirling mists by the undertakers, a shape, a figure. Can't quite make it out. He heads over to take a proper look and he sees a rocking chair and maybe maybe a figure sitting in it. He heads closer. Unfortunately, above him, a, a sign, a, a, an undertake, the undertaker's sign is creaking away. And while he's trying to work out whether in actual fact his rejuvenator has genuinely done more like reanimation than rejuvenation he is smashed in the head and killed as the undertaker sign which apparently was securely fastened falls and plunges onto his head we cut then to Rolfo who is um well, he is, by the Undertaker's, um, signing off the body of Stringfellow. Um, he decides to set fire to the wagon to, um, to, kill, to, to burn all, all Stringfellow's possessions and to, um, to make a clean start. Asked why by the Undertaker, he merely states... That there's nothing there, there's nothing there worth worth anything, and then looking at the mortuary, nothing in there worth anything either. Okay, so that's our story. 
it is, um, well, it's very much, it's a, it feels like a Serlin script, first off. It is a perfect night gallery story in a sense, for it contains, it contains spirits, horror, and very human characters, fear of death being a big one. Um, it also has a fantastic script. Um, Snyder, Dr. Snyder, the, um, the doctor who is um, basically uh, angry at, uh, at Stringfellow for what he does and constantly pops up and then you know, criticises the man's hypocrisy. That's played by Murray Hamilton, who uh, Twilight Zone fans might remember as Mr. Death from One for the Angels. That's a good, um, a, an interesting link through because whereas One for the Angels is quite a light piece about a man who is attempting to um, well, use his sales skills for good and uh, to help a girl, a young girl. This is a story very much based on a man using his sales skills merely to help himself. And it's an interesting throw, I think, from Twilight Zone to Night Gallery, one that's not just the Serling name. Um, what I'd say about the story is it's, it's quite... It's very sad, it's quite melancholy, obviously, because it's so concerned with, well, in the end, the death of a child. It's, um, but it's also, well, not a lot of characters are very nice in it, in truth. No one really comes out of this particularly well. You have the fool of the father, um, Stringfellow, obviously, who, despite his bombastic uh, claims that he's there to save and help people, is incredibly self-serving. And in the end gets done in by a vengeful spirit, supposedly. But, I mean, from my point of view as well, Snyder, who is the, the Doctor, I mean, is, is, is basically incredibly good, like a lot of drunks are in truth, of pointing out the faults of others, but not necessarily looking at himself. And he kind of he admits that, yes, I am a drunk, and yes, you know, I've ruined, I've ruined my life, but in, a, in, a, in an area where a in a place where there doesn't seem to be a physician. He's far too concerned with the bottle and himself than with anybody else. And I'm not convinced it makes him much more of a better person than Stringfellow in truth. I mean, even Rolfo, who is without doubt meant to be Serling's uh, moral compass, given what the audience is thinking at times, pointing out exactly the, the you know he constantly says should we be doing this is this right why are we selling this this rejuvenator stuff which is you know coloring and water but in truth what it does is um, you know he doesn't do anything about it he just kind of kind of goes along with whatever Stringfellow says and you know obviously he doesn't necessarily have to set out on his own but um, he doesn't try and change the man in truth he just basically says I don't agree with this and then goes along with the deal anyway desperate as he is as a, you know a, a man constantly just travelling and, and looking for something or maybe nothing um, so yeah I mean that's for me that it, it adds an element of, of melancholy to the piece anyway and that's beyond the fact that we're looking at you know this this dying child but, you know, at the same time, you know, interestingly enough, um, Serlin's able to make Stringfellow a, a very likeable character. He, you know, everyone likes these kind of bombastic salesmen, and, and, and Serlin's extremely good at, at kind of writing these kind of characters, these 
flawed, slightly aging men that have kind of been through the, been through the mill, and 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 then I'll come out the other side and a little bit more, t you know, damaged than even they'd like to admit. And I think that's uh, you know he does that with a, with a great deal of skill on the, on this occasion. Um, it helps that uh, Forrest Tucker is a very uh, a brilliant actor in this sense, able to turn you know the dial up to this these great sales pictures, but also quite a quite a you know a look. He can make himself very small and quite broken and sad as well. Um, Don Pedro Coley, who was uh, who played Ralpho. Um, he was, you know, he's more known for being in THX 1138, um, the old George Lucas film. Um, he was uh, very new to the game at that stage. Uh, this was very much a learning experience for him. This quote's great, though. That he's, he's, There's a quote from him in uh, an After Hours tour, uh, the Scott Skelton, Jim Benson book, where he says, I was very surprised that they all treated me with the same kind of, kind of equal respect, one-on-one. -on -one. I was all prepared to take a total back seat, but during the shoot they asked me how I wanted to approach doing my role, which was quite unusual. This was a real collaborative affair. The script was really quite interesting, and it took a little work to get the subtext out of it, how it would be put together, what we, what we should try and accomplish for the sake of the material, and it worked really well. God, it was just as exciting as hell for me. I mean, it has got a great sheen to it. Um, much like... Uh, the Twilight Zone, it, it's because it, it's it's very you know so it's more locations and it's it's locations that would be used again and again and again. You know, it's a classic Western kind of looking set, so they're able to to make it look great and it it's shot really well. And the the um, Lionel Linden's uh, photography is brilliant. And I know I moaned a little bit about the the uh, classic day for night that kind of blue sheen that they always use, uh, which really dates it. But uh, apart from that, it's great. And, um, you know, it, it really does stand up on its own. It has a slightly timeless quality to it, in truth, because of, of the nature of it being set in the past. And, it, and I, I really enjoy it. Um, Salen, again, writing really strong, character-driven work with this, like, slight supernatural twist at the end. But I think what it, why it really works is that it it's just so... Um, heartbreaking and you know in the end it's it's strength is the fact that it's about not particularly nice people trying to do the best for a girl that who is going to die that night do you know what's in dr string's rejuvenator <laughs> dreams should be on the label one part wishful thinking one part ignorance and one part, the sweat of little men who seek immortality and are dumb enough to think it can be bottled. I should be getting a hundred dollars a swallow for that stuff and a medal at the same time. Because I give hope to the hopeless, dreams to the dreamless, an illusion of health to all the poor doomed yokels that have a dollar in their jeans. You see, I let them get a little peek over the pigsty, get a view of heaven. Hmm? Okay, just a little bit of housekeeping before we finish. Um, first off, if you uh, downloaded last week's podcast and it was 
unlistenable to because the sound levels were mixed up uh, then you can re-download it now it's a little bit longer and it's probably a bit better in truth um, I've managed to fix it, I've re-recorded it and managed to fix it so it works well um, also if you want to get hold of me you can do and it'd be great if you did my email address is chris at the twilightzonenetwork.com or you can go to our website www.thetwilightzonenetwork.com and you can um, get onto well you can leave any comments on any of the articles or you can go on our facebook page or our twitter and say hello that way or you can just contact me from my own private twitter which is at orange underscore monkey next week is a light-hearted piece but actually well normally that would make me kind of go oh no this is going to be terrible it's actually quite a good one it is hell's bells it stars john aston and there's a great deal there's some great story about how it was put together so until then take care goodbye (laughs) 